cursive. And my cursive writing is very good. I get compliments on it all the time. <laughs> I, I'm trying to kind of yeah. you know write it quick so I can watch the next play and do all that. So it's not my perfect, but I get a lot of compliments from both of you. Oh yeah, what's up? Yo, 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 it's Chris Sims on Button. Ahmed Farid is here and I have tortured him once again. I mean, if I'm gonna I'm gonna steal this quote from him. If I'm gonna sit there and watch film for the last two days straight, I'm gonna make this mother effer here work and read through my notes and not make it that easy. Gotta put him to work too. <laughs> so he has deciphered the code, him and Pete dim a little little light a light a lightus. I haven't said that in a while. We haven't. Said I know. That in a while. I know. Right? What's going on here? We gotta in, incorporate that once again. But mm-hmm. what's up, man? It's our uh, treasure hunting. What the f happened Wednesday podcast? Yeah. Ahmed is here with a water bottle. Yep. No. No energy drink. He's very proud to tell me before the pod that have you noticed this is the second pod in a row? I don't have my energy drink. Exactly. I am proud. Thank you. And you have one less computer screen this week in front of you than last week. So what's <laughs> I up? I got rid of my laptop because it died last time anyway. I was like, I don't need it. I'm going to go with the total tablet Cool. set up here. Uh, yeah, no energy drink. As Pete said, oh, you're pretending to give up energy drinks once again, which is true. I'm pretending How long to are you it. off the wagon for so far? I'm not. So I'm no? just trying to limit them. You right. know, one every other day. Okay. Where I was going one, maybe two a day there for a while. Does it, it affect bad. you? Do you notice an effect? Do you have problems no sleeping effect. or well, anything like that? That's the problem, too. I, yeah. I've got, I think my body is immune to caffeine at this point. Right. So it's like if you're not even getting the benefit of it, what's the point? And even like no cutoff either? Like you could drink that at five in the afternoon and still... You know, see, that's where... Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't know what I drink a lot of coffee between you know six six a.m. and and twelve a.m. But I mean twelve yeah p.m. I guess but that's your cutoff. My that's cutoff. Cut Once I get to around twelve thirty or one, I, I have that like wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like oh shit I'm a wide awake here what the hell is going on and yeah. I finally connected the dots I go well maybe it was that four cups of coffee I had or that extra cup of coffee I had at one thirty or yeah. two o'clock. I have had some nights where I haven't been able to fall asleep and maybe I could attribute that to the two or three energy drinks that I had that day. So yeah. that's maybe a good point. Uh, on your part. But yeah, and I think this is the first time maybe first in time. the history of this podcast Uh-oh. that I have shorter hair than you do. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it's my hair has become a very controversial thing. I mean, I literally have had three different men this week comment about my hair. <laughs> And I have I've had men text me during football night in America about my hair, like friends that I haven't seen in a while. Uh-huh. And I've never I've told my wife about it a little bit because it's like I had the shaved, you know, all the way up to the top and yep. just left a little hair on top for a while. And I feel like I told you this. Most of the women in my life, a.k.a. my mom, my wife and my sister, have really bitched and moaned about it. All right. Like they didn't like, it. oh, you're going to grow your hair out of you such beautiful hair, Christopher. Why are you doing this? And uh, so I've been getting that. <laughs> okay, right. But then, so then, like, but I've had uh, you know some men here recently yeah. ask me about it and go ask me, "What are you going to cut your hair soon?" So they are guess what they're telling me they don't like this new part look I, that I well, got. Going I think up. as men we don't like change, right? We like things to stay the same forever. I know. It's I kind know. of rocking our world to I see hear you with a different kind of a hairstyle. But I like it. I think you've powered through kind of an the, awkward, the awkward middle phase, stage. right? We'll and now see. I'm noticing a little bit of a wave. You see that wave? You have there? natural waves. I do have natural waves. Oh. Yes, I know. It is. It's funny. <laughs> it's it's my my little my son. He talks about. It. He's like your hair is like kind of curly and has waves in it. I never thought that. So I like yeah, it. I'm gonna keep going. My real test is like. Morgan, what do you think? Hair? Did you like it the other way or this way? Give yeah, it to Morgan. me here, Morgan. Keep it straight. 
You like it like this? She likes See? it. All right, so you'll More keep going. More times than not, the women like the longer traditional look. Yep. And the, as usual, the dumb man likes the, oh, just shave the side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They like that. <laughs> That's what I told my barber yesterday. Shave the side. <laughs> don't, and they, you don't want the Chris Sims? Then I go, I don't want the new Chris Sims. Give and, me the old Chris Sims. And you're not going to ever go into hair dye or anything like that. Like, you aren't going to embrace your grays, right? And there's not that much gray. No, there's a lot there. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but you In, look good with it. Thank like, you. It's you. you, you it, I, I wouldn't hide from it if I, I were you. I feel like I have a little bit of a youthful look sometimes where people sometimes think I'm still a kid. Yeah. To where the gray helps. The Gives gray me helps. some authority. You're distinguished. Right? Yeah. It's right. like, all right, that guy might know a little yeah, bit of right, something. Right. Where if I just had no gray hair, I'd be like, why is this kid trying to tell me what's up? <laughs> uh, that is hair talk. Yes, hair at talk. At the top of... Uh, what the F happened Wednesday? Real treasures. Uh, treasure hunters. We're rebranding it treasure hunters because, yes, Chris, as he mentioned there, he went deep into the film. Yep. He looked for hidden treasure. So because on, on Sunday you got all the games going on, it's hard to keep track of them all. Even the Monday we had two games happening. It's like you got to dive into these films play by play to really uncover these treasures. Yes, right? you do. It stresses me out. I'm like, I'm probably not the nicest person to like Pete Demolitolitis and Matt Casey during Mondays and Tuesdays because I'm like, I hate not knowing I hate and then I know I'm under the gun to get to know and I'm asked to talk about some of these subjects too to where I'm like and it stresses me out I don't want to be a bullshitter you know me there I don't want to speak to something that I don't have a pretty good feel about so uh it does like yesterday is a stressful day for me because I'm like okay I got to get through this and and try to you know be concise with what I'm seeing and going so I can provide information to you guys and the listeners for the pod and and the good thing I like about about this too is that you will pick out all the things where you were like all right this is my gut feeling on Sunday and Monday from watching it and it was confirmed in the tape yeah, or, or the opposite. my gut feeling has been yeah denied by what I saw in this tape right. it's been changed right. so uh, we're going to get into that. We got Tua, we got Lamar, we got Josh Allen, we got Mahomes, we got Herbert, we got Kyler. It's not just the quarterbacks; it's the teams, it's the offenses, it's the defenses that they faced. Because yep. you got some compliments uh, to give to some defenses out there that you really are falling in love with here early in the season, definitely. Uh, which was reflected in your cursive note. So let's kick it off with the same team that kicked it off on Monday, because I think they are the talk of the NFL they right are now. Right and now. What they are doing, the Miami Dolphins and their great comeback win against the Baltimore Ravens, and of course the Twitter sphere is going crazy with you because of what you have said about Tua in the past right not really jumping on board with his arm strength and the way he sees the field you and then and then big cat over at barstool uh, yes. he's always not giving making me things crap. better no well he's my buddy but he likes to give me crap and he knows he's adding the pressure on me by saying <laughs> this so up yours big cat okay up yours so you took a closer look here right there was hidden treasure in what Tua actually did uh where does Tua get credit where does the ravens defense get blame uh, you looked at the tape. You looked yeah. closer at Tua right. after doing that. Yeah. What's your gut telling you? Well, my gut tells me, you know, I, I, we should be impressed by what we saw. There was a lot to like about the performance, 100%. Of all-time Tua games, where does it rank? The best game he's ever played, ever. There's no doubt. And again, listen, the, the, you know, I think I hope we've done a good job to tell everybody how good we think their team is, right? Right? And, you know, the course, the coach is very creative. It's the creative, most creative offense they've had. But... You know, and I'm, I know that's going to sound like I'm trying to qualify something here, but I'm not. I'm saying that it's giving opportunities to Tua, so that of course is making him look better. Just like we talk about, just about any quarterback, you got to have that to a degree. And then I think the other thing too is where you know it's cool is you know yeah the game got away from them. He had to push the envelope a little bit with like okay we got to start making some stuff happen, and showed me that he could do that. 
you know, was aggressive with some mindset. Third downs throughout the game were a big thing. I mean, he made some big plays on third downs and put the ball in some areas where I went, okay, Tua, you continue to do this. I'll, I'll start being a believer and join Tua on as well. So that's, that's what was cool. But you've applied? No, I have not applied yet. I'm not applying yet. But, but I, I'm definitely, uh, was impressed with what I saw and just overall their attack and their team, just like we talked about week one. It's very impressive, and they really can stress you out. So what is it about yeah. it? What what was better in this game than you have seen Tua do in the past? Well, Outside yeah. of those things you mentioned there, but you also mentioned some of his quick-release ability. Uh, yes, no doubt about it. I think that's the other thing, too. Hey, listen, life gets made easy for him, too, because of McDaniels and their ability to draw plays to get, hey, here's a ball to Tyreek in the flat real quick or Waddle here real quick, and they're so lightning fast, it's unbelievable. Where they can catch a ball for two or three, and you go, well, shit, they just got 15 yards. You know, I just showed you a play, right, before we started the podcast, just going, this is the other thing that kills you and then makes you have to play a different defense because they throw this and you think, well, it's only a, a, a one-yard pass, but then they get 12 or 15 yards. But the thing where I will give Tua credit with that stuff too is he has an ability, to, and I've used this before, he's a point guard to dish it out in a hurry. He can flick the ball out there. He does have a quick release and can get the ball out of his hands very, very, very quickly and, you know, and doesn't need to wind up all the time on those type of throws. And that's what I meant by flick. There was a few plays even, too, where he just, hey, looking downfield, doesn't like what he sees, and he throws a ball to the flare out to the running back or somebody in the flat and just can, hey, you know, and I wish people could watch here, just, you know, look down and just it looks like he's just throwing a dart real quick. And, you know, there, there is some talent and some uh, usefulness to that to get the guy, you know, the ball in space. Now, oh, he got it to me quick, and now I can make a guy miss and get upfield and make something happen. Uh, and on Twitter, all the plays that people see are the, the, the two plays. The two plays, Tyreek right. was open. You know, he's not going to get a whole lot of credit. I don't think he got a whole lot of credit on our podcast for those. Although you do see some quarterbacks overthrow a guy or still miss it. You're like, how did yeah. he miss that guy? He was wide open. My but, big thing with those is just like, those are great. that's great. I don't see those are the plays that I'm not going to necessarily just go, oh my gosh, Tua, 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 Tua. I'm not. I'm going to go, damn, that was some stupid shit the Ravens did. And good job by him just hitting the throw. There's no question about that. Um, but yeah, those, those were, those were to me some of the least impressive plays of the day, if that, that can say that. I expect him to hit. If he doesn't hit some of that, I go, oh, crap, we got major problems. Like we need to go to Teddy Bridgewater. You know, so that's, those were good. It's some of the other plays he makes. It's Gasecki down the middle at 28 to 7, and they got nine guys dropping in coverage, and he's patient, and, and then really nobody's open, and he throws a ball 25 yards down the middle of the field and throws it high up in the air to where Gasecki, like an alley oop pass like like Steph Curry full court alley oop pass and puts it in the spot where there was a guy in front of Gasecki. You know, they kind of had it covered. The guy in front of him, like he didn't even fully jump because he's like, wait, is somebody behind me or that ball is going out of bounds? And it was perfect because Gasecki's tall, long. So those are the plays that I looked at to go, okay, fuck yeah, Tua, here we go. Let's let's let me see what you got. He might be gaining confidence because you noted a couple times in your note that the Ravens did force him to make the decision, are you going to try to fit this into a tight window? They did. They and did. He, and he took those risks. He did take those risks, you know, and, and of course paid for it early in the game. Hmm. But 
this is where I give him credit is he just he didn't back away from it. He didn't go, well, I've thrown two interceptions here and they were done 28-7, so I'm just going to check it down. You know, you've heard me complain about other quarterbacks like that. He was going to go down swinging, and I love that. I love that he did that. He wasn't worried about, okay, i got to throw an out route between the corner and the safety here. Okay, I'm going to put it in the spot here and give him a chance. And he did that, and it was those little things and the third downs like I talked about that – you know, help them win the football game and get to the point where now we're, they can screw up the defense and Tyreek Hill can be wide open down the field. Is Mike McDaniel a perfect coach for this team? The yes. way it's constructed, the speed? Speed. What do they do? Well, they just, they, you know, the run game is extremely well designed, right? So yeah. you have to respect it. Even though you go, well, their offensive line's not great yet and they're not killing people, they run the right plays and the right looks and they know they're well coached through Shanahan and all that. That, you know, we got to respect it. We got to get a guy down here to help out and stop it. So then he plays off of that and he's got RPOs where, hey, there's too many guys in the box. Okay, boom, fake that little run, throw it out here to Tyreek and waddle and we like our numbers out here with a receiver or two blocking for you and now they get upfield and you go well shit it was a run play and they got 15 yards because you know you had to overcommit to stop the run play and he throws it out there and does that that's where they're really good so he's stressing you out and I think I wrote this at some point where it's just like the run game the movement and then these quick passes that become you know like significant gains and then the occasional shot, because now you start to go, well, we got to take away some of these easy, you know, underneath throws or whatever that are getting 12 and 15 yards and killing us. And then that leaves some opportunities to throw some aggressive balls down the field. So he has found the formula to stress people out. And, you know, like I said, he's creative. And then along with the talent, right. uh, they're, they're, they're going to be a pain in the ass for a lot of people. You love that speed. It stood out to you. But also that fullback, Alec Ingold effing people up so they do oh have some power there. they do that's what i mean you know that you got to respect it and then also Moster. i mean when they have Moster on the field with gasecki and waddle and tyree kill and then you you know whoever you want to put in there as the third receiver cedric wilson whatever you just go man i mean it's 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 one of those things that i said to pete in the pre-meeting where you go it, 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 you know, you sometimes you go. Are they in fast forward, or is this is this real here? Did I put it like times point five speed here in this? Or and you just go, my, my gosh, they are so fast, yeah. and uh, that's where they really stressed the Ravens defense out, and finally got the Ravens into a point where they had to take some chances later in the game and screwed some things up, and that led to some big plays by you know two in the offense as well. So that's a good jumping off point for the Ravens here, as you look at that side of the ball. Of course, the Dolphins did things to stress them out. Did the Ravens shoot themselves in the foot defensively? I, yes, to a degree. You know, maybe ask too much of some new guys in the secondary, like we talked about Monday. Just you know, too creative. Too, and then you add that with the moving parts of the Dolphins, and I think they got confused with like, wait, you know, what do I do? Like, let's take the Tyree Kill long touchdown pass down the left sideline, right? Mm-hmm. I think that was Kyle Hamilton's fault. Either way, I know it's one of the safeties' fault. It's him or Marcus Williams, but. You know, there was a, I believe it was Gasecki on the left. He motioned to the other side. You know, Hamilton went with him. I don't think he should have. I think he just stayed there and then he backs into the back part of the field to be the safety there. But, I, you know, that's where, yes, I would have gone, you know what, with these guys, play conservative and continue to try to make them work and take the clock away. Okay? But here was the, the other problem. 
right? So they asked some things there, and you know, of course, they messed it up. But here is the problem too, and where I, I can I, I always try to put myself into everybody's shoes when I watch this stuff, right? Where if I'm Mike McDonald and he's watching the second half unfold, when he played vanilla four man rush. Let me play coverage, yeah. right? Mike McDaniel. Mike M- McDonald. Uh, McDonald Wait. is the defensive coordinator. I think oh, it's, I think it's I think it's Mike McDonald. Yeah, I think it's Mike McDonald. Oh, I see what you're you saying. You got me all yeah. confused no, here. I'm, no, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got you confused. You you got me confused. Mike McDonald, I got you confused. Right. Used okay. to be in Baltimore. Went to the uh, Michigan to become a D coordinator. Came back there. Well, Mike McDonald had a job. I get it. E I E I O. Right. <laughs> and on this job, he had to stop Tua, <laughs> and he couldn't do it. <laughs> um, he, but that could be so, a new song. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, where I think he started to stress out was, first off, here's your problem with the Ravens. The Ravens don't have a pass rush. The Ravens, in my opinion, do not have a marquee defensive lineman. Not one of them. So even though we talk about the Dolphins' O-line not being special yet, when they just rushed forward, they couldn't get closer to it, which was concerning. Mm. And then he throws, like we talked about, a short pass to Waddle here and a short pass to Tyreek here, and they're catching the ball at five yards, but then turning up field and getting 15 or 20, and he's like... I don't know, you know what? I mean, this is too easy too. So I got to start disguising and doing a few things, help out my pass rush, and then I think that led to the shots downfield that ultimately, you know, kind of killed them and and hurt their football. So after those shots, those long touchdowns to Tyreek, thirty-five, thirty-five. At that point, was the Ravens' defense just completely lost? Like, did they not know what to do because they gave up another long drive? A hundred percent. They they didn't know what to do, and then they got caught in between. It was like, let's go back to the four man rush and just protect things. But then it started to get so easy, and they were they're moving the ball. It started to get to the thirty and the twenty five. Where they start to go, okay, shit, we got to change it up because they're just gonna go down the field and pick us apart here. What I just one thing I questioned a little bit was why, you know, to me in a lot of these situ- two man. Two man is always something I look at. I never saw any of snaps of that to where I go, okay, you got a body on everybody, but you still got two safeties deep. And even when you play two man, you could see some really good defenses in football that play two man, two safeties deep, maybe rush three and have an extra guy in the middle just hovering in case there's some pick play or something like that happens. They didn't do that. They did not do that. What it was zones. Zone. It was zones or it was like all out blitz maybe. And that just, you know, that played right into the Dolphins' hands really ultimately when it was all said and done. And you do think the top draft pick Kyle Hamilton struggled a little bit in this game. <sighs> yeah, he, he did. didn't start, right? He did not start. He looks the part. He's good. I mean, he is. But like I said, I do think the long one down the left sideline was his fault. This the 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 post route down the middle right to Tyreek. I'm not sold. That was his fault. He's the safety on that side of the field. Marcus Peters is in an incredible position here, where I think he's you know he's basically in a man up situation. It looks like Hamilton is supposed to be the safety over the top to help him, but when the ball is snapped, he looks to the other side of the field, and. This is kind of a new defense in football because how often do we talk about crossers in football? Crossers. Teams are hitting crossers everywhere, right? Whether it's pick crossers, play action, okay, another crosser. So teams, what they're doing a lot in the NFL too, we're playing these like, hey, our safety's back deep, but he's not really back deep. He's there to scare you from, hey, quarterback, I'm not going to have the post route. There's a deep safety there, right? Mm -hmm. But then he's really set hut looking for the crosser on the other side, right? He's looking to go – 
you know, oh, they're going to run like double crossers or something like that. And now I'm here to stop that. And, you know, hopefully we scared them away with my presence to not throw the post route. And that's where I give Tua a little credit for staying with that play. I'm sure they had a pretty good feel that the Ravens do this from time to time and had a feel that this might happen. Uh, but that was a great job by him. And I don't want to blame that one on Hamilton because I'm not totally sure that he was at fault there. Either way, it might be a situation where this year the Ravens' offense will have a little pressure on them to score some more points. And from the looks of this game, they might be able to be able to do that because the Dolphins' defense we think is going to be pretty good, and they still put up a ton of points, 38 points on them. When you took a closer look at that side of the ball with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offense, what stood out to you about how they got that big lead? Right. Kind of stalled out in the second half, but they certainly built that lead up. Well, it's one of the best games ever by Lamar, too. Wow. And to me, again, I'm going to sound like a hater here, but I don't care. Like, so Lamar is just special. I mean, he's really special. He didn't make one, he made one bad decision late in the fourth quarter where Xavier Howard almost intercepted it. And I look at that and go, ever than that, I mean, he was almost flawless, perfect. He really was. His throwing was on point, on point. Every ball that came out of his hand was pure. He throws from different arm angles. His decision-making was absolutely phenomenal against a really good defense and no running game. Yeah. See, this is to me where, you know, again, this is this like – this is where guys like to me like Lamar and Mahomes and Allen and you know Herbert and you know Joe Burrow it's a different set of stardom you know Rodgers compared to okay I know Tua had a great game and Hurts had a great game and all that it, they play through them all it's all about them where the other guys go wait you're, we have this great team and all this and all this and we're doing this and we're going to make the game easy for you blah 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 and hopefully you can take advantage Lamar, it's, it's literally all on him. He is the run game, and then his, he is the pass game. And we're not sitting here going, oh, my gosh, the Ravens receivers and stuff, they're so awesome. Rashad Bateman looks really good. There's no doubt, and I think they got something there. And then at least Devin du- DuVernay is scary and has some speed, and then we know Andrews is a beast at tight end. But that's, to me, where it's special, and is over, that's why we're talking about maybe they should just give him $230 million guaranteed because it's, it's all about him. And with them not being able to run the ball, it makes it even more about him. And there he was, of course, played phenomenal. And, you know, the defense failed him. The defense failed him. The running game for them. That has been such a staple of what the Ravens have done here outside of even Lamar Jackson. He's been a big part of it. Yep. Going forward, is this just an early season struggle with the running game for the Ravens or with their O-line, with their running backs? Could this be a season-long problem? (sighs) They need to get healthy up front. I think that's the biggest thing. They need Ronnie Stanley back in there. I mean, they got Pat. You know, they lost Jawan James last week. They got Patrick McCarry. You know, so now that Morgan Moses is playing right tackle, Jawan James was there. Now they got Patrick McCarry, who's a center guard lifetime. He's playing left tackle, right? And then there's no J.K. Dobbins yet, who has three rockets up his ass, and he stresses you the fuck out when he's on the field. And then we're missing, you know, uh, Edwards who's kind of the sledgehammer. He's the, you know, thunder to the lightning. So they don't have either of that. They have no running back that you worry about doing anything extra than, hey, there's four yards to gain, and they get four yards. So I think it's a little combination of both. I don't want to give up on it yet just because those guys are coming back, and it sounds like they're close. Ronnie Stanley sounds like he's close. But I do think here in the meantime, 
It's going to be more Lamar throwing the football and them winning with his right arm. And then let's just not forget about this. The fucking Dolphins are freaky on defense. They're freaky across the board. I mean, they're, it's almost like watching the old Ravens. It's just they got size, speed, everything on that side of the ball, and they can basically do whatever they want. But the Ravens were ready for that all-out pressure and had answers, and Lamar was on his game. A Landon Roberts for the Dolphins, what? one of those freaky guys that you might not know the name of. Exactly I didn't right. really, I wasn't that familiar with From him. The but Patriots back in the day. Fourth and one play. That was big. He was crucial to it. Crucial. Because F up the play guy. F up the play. Exactly right. Like, you know, yeah, it's a point in the game where the Dolphins had the momentum, right? They hadn't really stopped the Ravens. The Ravens, here they go. They're moving again, and it becomes a fourth and one, you know, run. And he just reads the play. And just goes, I'm going to go kamikaze. I know what play's coming. I'm going to run through that hole. And I don't care that that guard's 315 pounds. He's, I'm going to crush him and get crushed and just make a mess of things. And he did. And that you know, gave them the short field and then set up the touchdown once again. And, uh, yeah, they just between him and Van Ginkle and – you know, guys like number 92, Siler, who we don't know about, who's a really good player. And then you talk about my two big asses in the middle and Raekwon and Christian Wilkins, who are stars, in my opinion, in big people world. They're stars. And then Phillips on the outside, you just go, oh, there's nothing they can't do on the defensive side of the ball. And, um, yeah, they, they I thought, maybe went a little too all out on the aggressiveness and worrying about the Lamar run game oh, and all that. Yeah. Uh, I thought they, if I had to tell them one thing, like, hey, you guys are so good. You don't need to go this freaky out and yeah. like, put this many people at the line of scrimmage. Um, and maybe they, you know, they'll learn their lesson. They're going to have to adjust a little this week with who they're playing. Well, we have a graphic on that yeah. for our Peacock and YouTube audience. Last thing we'll mention about this is, yeah, maybe you know, they couldn't slow down. Even with all that talent, they could not slow down Lamar Jackson, and they blitzed quite a bit. You look back at when they did that in 2021. Right. Kind of held him in check. Yeah. Sacked him four times. This time with their blitz on 55% of the dropbacks. No sacks. Couple touchdowns yeah. given up. Yeah. They were ready for that, you know, all out look 100% for sure. And then I think the other thing is, um, you know, sometimes blitz numbers can be skewed with Lamar Jackson because so many teams play five-man fronts because they're worried about, wait, the run, and we don't have enough people to do that, and it ends up being a five-man pressure. But, uh, yeah, that's something to, you know, watch with them that they mm-hmm. don't go over-aggressive. They're too good to have to go over-aggressive all the time. This is not like a few years ago where they're trying to, like, wait, we're one and seven, and we got to make things happen and start winning games and play through our defense because our offense stinks, right? Yeah. This is... This is like, no, you got enough offense now. You don't have to go totally crazy on defense. It'd be interesting to see if they adjust because they do got my boy Blue coming into town. Exactly. And they're going to be ready for all-out blitz. And, of course, he's gonna, he can throw the ball a country mile. So if they do that too much, they'll get their ass torn up. So you would recommend they don't all-out blitz? Not all-out. Be tactical with it. You know, and they I've seen from last year and even this year, they have ways to make it look like that and then they drop out and do things certainly, but yeah, you gotta be careful against these better quarterbacks that you don't take too many chances in those situations. Ravens are at Foxborough taking on the New England Patriots this uh week, so that'll we'll be see interesting. If they can slow them down. No team has been able to slow down the Ravens so far. No. Of course it's just been the, the no. Jets, right? Well week the Jets well the Jets, yeah. And the the Jets did a good job against the run game too. It they was did. Lamar's right arm doing it. Yeah. And now you got this week like, hey, this Patriots defense is the real deal, Holyfield, too. They got big dudes. I have a hard time thinking the Ravens are going to run on them. And, of course, they're really well coached in the secondary to where, yeah, I think that game could be a nail-biter. I mean, you could be sitting there going, whoa, one of these teams is going to be 1-2 and two after three weeks.
from two teams that balled out on the offensive side of the ball to another team that balled out on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball on Monday. The Bills beating the Titans, crushing them, 41-7. to yep. You've already said this is the best game of Tua's career. Might be the best game of Lamar's career. <laughs> where, where does this game rank in Josh Allen's career? Well, he's had a lot of good ones. He has. He has. So it, it, I'm not going to say it's the best, but, you know, my... my my thought of after watching the game live and then watching on film did not change a lot. I know we did our podcast Monday, so we didn't get to react to this like because being a Monday night football game. But, you know, he has gotten to a point where it's cheat code time. It's, it's really it's it's insane. It's cheat code time. It's like what I felt about Aaron Rodgers in 2010, 11, 12, 13, just going, you know, if you're not a great defense, you can't stop this guy. You just you can't because he makes all the right decisions mentally, right? He sees the field so incredibly well. And then as we always discuss, when you do play the perfect defense, he's just like, oh, okay, there's nothing open. I'll buy a little more time and something will come open here eventually, six, seven, eight, nine seconds later, and then he makes it happen that way. And so that's where it's gotten just unbelievably scary. The way he sees the field, the decision-making, the pinpoint accuracy and high-degree difficulty of throws, it's, it's insanity. And I do think that he's... Yeah, you know, again, this is why I think he's the best quarterback in the game right now. Obviously, it's easy to see those long touchdown passes to Diggs, but something that caught your eye... Yeah, take me there. ...was how quickly he got the ball to some of his receivers and gave him a chance to work. No doubt. That's the other thing that's, you know, impressive about him. Like, we just talked about with Tua. You know, first off, like, they do the RPO game, too. Run the ball. If you just... He run the ball, oh, and then put Stefan Diggs on a five-yard out route. If you play off, he kind of just puts it out there like the run, and then he can just flick it out there so quick to like an Aaron Rodgers type of level. And then, of course, his arm's so strong that the ball is like, holy crap, you can barely see it on film. So he's amazing that way. And that stresses you out, too, because now you're trying to, wait, we're trying to stop the run and worry about that, and we don't want to live up the big play, but he loves throwing out routes. He's not scared to throw out routes. Out routes are a forgotten art form in the NFL, and they're not afraid to. And, and of course, that stops you from playing a lot of off coverage because you just go, five-yard out, ten-yard out, holy cow, we can't play off forever. We've got to do something else. And that's where he is, no question, um, really, really good. That was definitely an interesting thing about the game, that that little part of it. And then he can still beat you deep, as you saw, against – the Titans with digs deep, uh, the play that's all over social media. You liked it, though, and taking a closer look at it for for a different reason. Yes. You don't think all quarterbacks necessarily would have stayed on digs. Well, it was a little bit like the Tua post to Tyreek, right? This is, an, this is an en vogue thing in the NFL right now because of the crosser thing, once again, I'm trying to tell you about. Teams are crossers followed by another in cut or another crosser so they or it might be a shallow crosser with a deep crosser and an in cut and you just go like damn we need to get people in the middle of the field here to stop this because there's just so many windows that a quarterback can hit one of those crossers in right so you play the single safety defense to make it look like hey the post route won't be there you can't throw a post route and you know, so the quarterback said hut. He goes, I don't think I have the post route. But then the safety is looking for crossers. And on this one, yeah, Bayard 
uh, Kevin Byard, he takes the crosser underneath. They call it cutting the crossers in, in, in my world or football world. And, yeah, his ability to just stay with that and see it happen down the field and then let Diggs work, realizing that, hey, wait, this isn't really a three-deep zone here. This guy's kind of cheating me and staying with it and putting the ball on the money, and Diggs looks as good as he's looked uh, you know, really ever in his career. Talk about a D, or, uh, offense that's clicking on all cylinders because obviously Allen and Diggs they're and they're running just enough. Just to keep enough. You honest, that's you right. Think. So what are they doing with their formations? Their mixing of personnel that could potentially be making it hard on defense. Yeah, I, I think you know they have a little experience with the Tennessee Titans. You know, I think they have experience probably with you know that defense similarities with New England and all that. This this is very interesting to me about the football game. You know, because McKenzie was healthy. Jamison Crowder are healthy. I know they had no Gabe Davis, right? And they're a team that generally likes to live in the 11 personnel world. One tight end, one running back, three wide receivers. But they played like, and I don't know if we ever got to the numbers on this, Pete. Maybe you can look it up real quick. If not, it's not a big deal. Because I, I just go in with, I, I know this. They were playing two tight ends, two backs. You know, two tight ends, one back, Right. And playing personnel sets to where you go, oh, they look like they're going to play smash mouth football and do that. And, you know, you, then so I sit there and go that and I go, okay, so why? Why, why, why are they doing this? What, what's, there's a reason they're doing this. And you sit there to watch and you start to realize, oh, okay, here's what they're doing. You know, you think, oh, maybe they want to keep the linebacker on the field and keep them in base defense, right? Mm-hmm. The Titans didn't do that. They were like, well, you still got Josh Allen. We're still scared of the pass to a degree. So they had nickel still in in those situations. But, what I do think it did is it simplifies their coverages. See, where Tennessee gets dangerous is when they get you in second and long or third down, obvious passing situations. They play coverages where, you know, you've heard me describe this in the past. I don't know what the fuck this coverage is. It's just everybody seems to be dropping right in the right area because they've broken you down and they got this guy dropping here and this guy dropping there and this guy's covering man-to-man, but they're playing zone over here. And and that's where Vrabel and, and Shane Bowen are very creative on that side of the ball. I think with those personnel sets, it simplifies you. Because, again, what happens is a lot of times when you get into those personnel sets, teams do worry about, well, damn, if they put two tight ends over here on this side of the ball and all that or shift to a formation, I don't want to be outnumbered in the run game or leave a gap or two unaccounted for because we got some guy that's you know looks like he's covering this guy and then going to turn his back and run to some other area and drop in the zone. So I think that's what it did to them. It took away all the crazy disguises and confusion to where it kind of got vanilla for a guy like Josh Allen. And now he's just going, okay, I got to cover three. Oh, okay, two man. Oh, all right, blah, blah, blah. And he just slowly picked it apart. I would think that's the reason they did that. So a lot of the problems for the Tennessee Titans were created by the Buffalo Bills. And did you think they were bigger out there? Is that what was in your notes at the end of your notes? Well, they're they just, just seemed- they're just bigger in general. The ty- I mean, the Bills. You know, the D line has real size to hold up against people like the Titans now. On both sides of the on ball. On both here. sides of the ball. The O line, you know, I don't sit here and go, oh, this O line's just a road grading crew, but it's good enough and well coached enough and big enough now to where I've seen games against teams like Titans in the past where Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree and some of these guys, they push people back into Josh Allen's face all game long. Yeah. And it makes it hard on them. And we don't really care sometimes because we're like, oh, it's Josh Allen. He'll just throw and have people hanging 
something on him and it'll sell off his back foot, but it messes the quarterback up and throws him out of rhythm. That, that, I, I haven't seen that happen too much here through the first two weeks. All right, Doctor, this is the part of the pod where we diagnose what's wrong with the Titans, too. Yeah. So we look at their D and, uh, and real quick on their offense, too. So, D, you mentioned some of the problems. The Bills stressed him out, right? right? And the Bills are going to do that to a lot of teams yes. out there. Is this just a – I mean, now they're 0-2. I know. I got faith in the Titans still, though. I'm not giving up on them on the defensive side of the ball, for on sure. On the defense. It's interesting you made that distinction. Well, we'll talk about the offense in a minute. I don't want to give it away. I'm not totally giving up on the offense either. Um, all right? But I, I, wanna, I, I will qualify it when we get there. The defense, I'm not worried. I, it sucks that they don't have Harold Landry, you know, especially in a year where they don't have A.J. Brown on the offensive side of the ball because I think they were trying to, hey, we've got to play through our defense. Harold Landry's a double-digit sack guy. Bud Dupree's capable of that. And Jeffrey Simmons is one of the best interior D linemen in all of football. You know, so that does stink, but I, I do. They still have enough big people, you know, pretty good linebacking core. I love their safeties. I mean, um, Hooker, Bayard, they had the one of their corners out injured, you know, so that hurt them a little bit. I'm, I'm, I think they'll get that straight. Farley got beat a couple times. Farley got beat a couple times. Farley got benched because he didn't play man to man on that last touchdown before the half. He got confused, screwed up. To me, still doesn't look like the Farley that I saw at Virginia Tech, and I do worry if like. Having three major injuries here over the last five or six years has maybe slowed him down. He doesn't look as freaky to me right now. But again, this is his first year playing again, so it might not be till next year that he looks like that freaky guy. Not going to overjudge it. But yeah, they, they, uh, they were outgunned. And of course, playing the hottest quarterback and the best offense in football and a guy in Ken Dorsey, too, that people I don't think have a great feel for how he's attacking yet. So that makes things hard on a guy like Mike Vrabel and Shane Bowen, too. Defense will still give people trouble. Yes. Will the offense, though? I don't know. No A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. Is Derrick Henry back to being Derrick Henry? We, I, I think the jury is still out on that. <laughs> what you, would you think from the, the offensive line? The offensive line has been a big, you know, I think we've given a lot of credit to Tannehill being able to throw deep, A.J. Brown being able to make those plays, Derrick Henry. But Simple he, but effective formula yes. they had in the last few years, right? Can they do that? I don't know. Uh, that's the one I'm going, I'm not sure if this is going to work quite the same. You know, um, one, the offensive line is not as physically imposing as it was there, you know, last year, the year before. So I think that does hurt them. I mean, there's just, there's too many plays in that game where set hut and the Titans offensive line is two yards behind the line of scrimmage, right? So you just go, damn. And, then, you know, I got a lot of respect for that Bills D-line, but they're not used to seeing the Titans O-line get pushed like that, right? So that, that's, that's one issue. And then, yeah, I think when you couple that with there's no game breaker other than Derrick Henry on the offense right now. There's no other guy to look at and go, all right, who's going to scare you? I mean, Burke, I, I like him, but he hasn't got to that level yet. All right. You know, Robert Woods has never really been that guy. Robert Woods is the great compliment, you know, number two receiver. Going to catch a lot of 10 and 15 yard routes that way. So that's where I get worried about it. You know, Pete asked me, and I think you saw it in the group text last night. He's asked me about, like, what about Tannehill and Derrick Henry? You didn't write anything. Did they look the same? Is there things? If I was really concerned about them, I would have wrote that in my notes. Derrick Henry still looks very effective. Derrick Henry needs a little bit gather up speed up time Lewis Riddick I thought did a great job of explaining this during the telecast 
You know, he's a runner that needs to get downhill. He's not a runner that, wait, gets the ball and now has to stop and jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, and then get upfield. That's not who he is. He is, hey, I got the ball. I'm stretching towards the sideline. I'm kind of going 70%. Oh, I see a hole. Now I go downhill in such a manner where you go, oh, my gosh, this big fucker's coming down at such a rate. This is scary. And then he can kind of wiggle his hips and get out of the way and get arm tackles or run you over. But if he doesn't have the space to do that, he's not going to be the Derrick Henry we have been accustomed to and yeah. love to watch. If you're a betting man, which will force you to do coming up tomorrow, uh, will they get that going against Las Vegas? I do think week? they have a chance to get it going against this group. Because I don't think Las Vegas is, other than the two rushers on the edge, I don't think they're all that great interior-wise to where I think there's an opportunity for them, for, to, for them to get this going here. they got to get that going to a degree. And again, even with Tannehill, I don't look at a Tannehill and go, oh, man, there's issues. I know, you know, he had the second interception, the pick six. That was horrible. First interception, you know, hey, they're, they're reeling. He's got to start pushing the issue a little bit. Uh, the running game's not working. And who was that? Tremaine Edmonds did a great job, who's a freak in nature, just kind of getting his hand on it. He gets his hand on it. The receiver gets, he touches his hand, tips up in the air, Jordan Poyer interception. Little unlucky, great play by the defense. It's going to happen, you know. But like Tannehill, you know, it's, I, I don't, I, like I said, I don't look at Tannehill. I know he's not a world beater superstar, but I don't look at him as the problem. Yeah. You know, again, and let's not forget, I mean, you know, they, they, they had, it wasn't, they had some chances. He made some throws in the game where you go, okay, here they go. And then it was a penalty or they messed something up. But uh, I still think he's perfectly capable. It's not Malik Willis time. It's not time to panic yet, in my opinion, in Tennessee. We've seen them start off slow before and get it going. And they're very well coached. And I think that I just have too much faith in Vrabel that he'll kind of get it going and find the right formula for them all together. But then, you know, Lawan got hurt early in the game. Yeah. And not the game you want to get anybody hurt against this group. And they're playing rookies and smaller guys, and it just it was a bad night. So let's finish this game with yeah. that because you've already gushed about the Bills on offense. And so defensively, statistically, in a lot of categories, they were pretty good last year. Yeah. You said they beat up on the bad teams, right. some of the good teams they struggled with. Right. Do you think this is a completely different defense than last year? Yes, I do. They don't have to put Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds up in the A-gap or give these crazy looks anymore just to create confusion with the line to help their D-line. Now those two can go off the ball and just go get the guy that's got the ball. They don't have to go like, oh, we gotta, I got to be a de facto defensive tackle and then take on a guard and then get off him and run to the sideline. And like some of what they were asked to do at times was like, I don't know, Superman would have a hard time doing some of that. <laughs> so that, that, that's where now How they – I you. know. So man of steel. Yeah. But that's where, yes, they are different. They can rely on their big people even without Ed Oliver playing the other night. Didn't matter. No Tim Settle. You know, Jordan Phillips, another guy that needs to be in the discussion of like, you know, you said before the year, big guys that don't get credit. He's yep. another guy you can put on one of the best muck it up, clog it up guys in football. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks he stood in a row. Out. He st- he stands out. And then Rousseau is is got his game going and is a big physical guy on the edge. And Von Miller, even though everybody talks about his sacks and all that, has always been phenomenal against the run. So Yes, with that, they're very good. And then their scheme doesn't want, let you breathe. That's where Leslie Frazier and McDermott are awesome. You know, they, 
they go, hey, we know we're good here, but we're going to play a defense too where it's like, like we think the best you're going to do is get two yards here. You're going to get two yards. And you sometimes go, oh, man, they motioned over here, and, whoa, this backside corner is – he's in a vulnerable position here. Uh-oh. And, like, the safety goes over the top of them, and you're going, okay, wait, it's cover two, but if this receiver does an inside release and runs a post route across, they got nothing there. But then, like, as the motion goes across and the safety goes to help them, the corner moves inside. They know where they're vulnerable a lot of the times when they, they play these crazy aggressive defenses, wow. which I love too. Yeah, and they're they're extremely well close. So they can be aggressive, but still not vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. It's it's tactically <laughs> yeah. aggressive, and it's really it's one of the the better coach defenses in football. My thing with them last year is it was all about the coaching, and I didn't think they had enough horses to help it out against it. Now they got the horses, and they got the tactical stuff to really stress you out. I think we have a graphic on the pressure that they put on teams, or the yeah. amount of pressure they brought last year versus this year. So last two seasons, if you're watching on YouTube or Peacock right here, sack rate. Uh, they've bumped it up. It was 7% last year, 12% this year. They're pressuring quarterbacks 51%. Uh, but their blitz there rate has See? fallen from 25% to 6%. I love wow. when Pete backs me up that's, with my notes. Thank that's you. insane. That is insane. So that's, that tells you. They're they, getting the results without blitzing. They don't have to have Tremaine Edmonds, you know, blitz up the A-gap to make sure one guy can maybe get pressure and beat their guy on the pass rush. They can now just go, wait, hey, you big freak middle linebacker, play the middle, be long, tip a pass, intercept it. It's, they're, they're a different animal. They're not just going to feast on the poor this year. They're going to feast on the rich a little too. Is Tua going to need to throw six more touchdowns this week to beat him? Uh, no, but I am so excited for that game. To me, that's the game of the week. Not only because of they're two of the best rosters in the game, they're two, it's four coaches, right, coordinators, head coach coordinators whatever that are very good game planners thinkers like oh if they do this i gotta do that if oh wait they might think i'm doing this so i gotta think i might do that what was the phrase you used last week in the podcast and you, uh, you know, know that what i, I know, know that, that you, you know, know. right yeah. right like there's gonna be a lot of that going on in this game yeah they're just gonna have to play five guys on the field be like i never would have thought that exactly <laughs> you thought we were playing 11 uh we knew that you knew that uh so you, I, i'm not i'm not feeling bad for you all of a sudden because you got to see these great offenses so far yeah you, you took some time to look at the film but our next game we're going into yeah is chiefs and chargers oh, a closer hey, look oh, here you whoa. know we know this game was a little well while ago but yeah these are hidden treasures yes. that were that were lying dormant in that film that are now being uncovered for the first time exactly and so we get to really see what did happen in that game and i mean it wasn't a a prolific high scoring game like they didn't score 40 no either of these teams no. it was 27 24 and so what can we learn from diving deep into those tapes let's start with the chiefs offense okay here. and patrick mahomes because for a good part of this game i was like man this chargers defense is really giving them some, some issues, trouble. Right? Yeah, some issues. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much of that was self-inflicted or how much was not, but by taking a closer look at the tape, what do you think? Well, this is something I said on the podcast with Florio last Thursday. That's it's you know, it this is what happens when you have a team that's great in the division for a while. Another team in the division goes, "We're just going to build ourselves to beat that team." Right? And that's what the Chargers. The Chargers are built to beat the Chiefs. Right, it's like it's like the early '90 Cowboys. They were like, "We got to beat 
the Washington and the Giants and the Eagles, if we don't get big up front and like start doing some of this stuff, like we're not going to beat any of these teams. We can't block Reggie White or Lawrence Taylor or anybody. Like we got to start doing something different here. You know, it, it changes your way of, of thinking that way. And so they are built for this. And then have the defensive coaching on the other side that, yeah, can make life hard on them. Definitely. So, uh, you know, I think my main my main thing was yeah, built for it, and really outplayed the Chiefs. They were the better team on the field. I really do feel like that. They just messed up a few situations, and maybe got a hair too aggressive here or there. And then you just got the magic man who just like, oh, they gave me a chance to make a play, and I always make the play. I'm Patty Mahomes. I never miss the chance to make the play, and that's where he's just special because he could be like, you could be like, ah, incomplete. Oh, it doesn't look that good. And then all of a sudden you go, whoa, he just threw a pass between two people, and he like threw a shovel pass, but somehow it still spiraled, or he threw a deep post, and like both feet were off the ground, and he threw it on the money for 50 yards. Like, who does that? That's where they're special. They they thrive on that, and they love that, and that's where they're a special football team. So it's interesting you say the Chargers D, for the most part, outplayed yeah. the Chiefs O, yes. but they gave up some big plays. You just described the Bills defense in saying that they're aggressive, right. but not vulnerable. Right? Are the Chargers able to pull off that balance? They, I, I think they will be. I think they might have gone a little too far in this game, right? Where... Here, again, I'm putting myself in their shoes. They got to be thinking about their last matchup last year, where I think Mahomes went like 31 of 45 and threw for 400, mid 400s, right? And remember, that was a time where, you know, if you take big plays away, he's not patient, right? And he was showing a little patience, I believe, the week before that. And that game, he was very patient and just picked them apart and did whatever he wanted. Oh, wait, great. You took away the deep play. But it was just like, hey, underneath the hill, underneath the Kelsey, underneath to this guy, underneath to this guy. And they just died a slow death. Like, it just was like, okay, yeah, you took away the big play, but every drive is 11 plays, 80 yards for a touchdown right now. We need to change it up a little. So I think he looked, you know, Staley probably looked at that and said, okay, we, we can't do that. He, he's Mahomes has evolved here. And he, he knows what to expect, and he's probably expecting that. So, you know, they did take some chances here and there. Played some man-to-man. Took some chances that way, right? I have no problem with that. But I think there was some times where maybe it just went a hair too far. And the 50-yard the touchdown down the middle, or 45, whatever it was, 41, that was one that, you know, I would say, ooh, that might have been... You don't need to do that anymore. You guys are so talented on this side of the ball. We don't need to have no safety in the middle of the field versus Patrick Mahomes. That's just living a little too dangerously. How about the way they guarded Travis Kelsey? Did What was their plan for that? How may it have been different than what they've done in the past? Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, I, I think, you know, Kelsey, they got linebackers and a Derwin James who are, of course, very good there. They are very always aware of, like, and this is where they were good, too, where, they, like, I'm, to my point, they weren't just playing umbrella, we're going to stop the post route. You know, they had a thing where, hey, if he breaks in, we kind of got a guy sitting there just reading Mahomes' eyes, waiting for him to come in. And, and if he breaks out, there's a guy there, too. Like, he's not just going to catch the ball and turn up the field and be 15 yards down the field free, right? So there was definitely a plan of attack there. On the deep touchdown pass, right, I was watching the play thinking like, hey, it looks like it might be one of those cover three plays we just talked about with the Bills or the Ravens where there's a safety in the middle of the field, mm. but he's not really playing middle of the field safety. And then I watched it back again. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, no, this is, this is like, this is an all-out pressure look 
where this middle of the field safety doubled Travis Kelsey. So there was nobody down in the middle of the field. They weren't going to let him on a third down do that to them where he ran one of those, you know, in routes and then comes back out or runs out and then comes back in. They, they've seen enough of that in their lives. So they said, the hell with that. And they took a chance there to where I just go, ah, you know, I, that was, that's too much of a chance. Yeah. Play man to man and have an extra guy in the middle waiting for him or something. But don't take the safety out of the middle of the field. Mahomes is always looking for that. He can't wait. He is the ultimate. Oh, gosh, I got a chance for a big play finally. I'm, I'm going to do it. He's, he's always looking for it. And, of course, he found it. And it's just an un- incredible throw. It really was. Kelsey did lead the team in receptions with five. 51 yards. That's crazy to lead the Chiefs. That's what I mean. There was there was a plan there. There was not the, the umbrella, just let him throw it underneath and do that kind of crap. And they ran the ball effectively right. in this game. Of course, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had that 52-yard run, but you thought that they, they ran it so well that it could have opened up more things with the play action. I, I do. I wish they would tie, like, early in the game they run it well, and I'm, coming, I'm just sitting there going, okay, so where's the pass off of that? Where... Okay, help then next series. Okay, where's wait, those runs were great. They they saw that had to scare them on the sidelines. Hey, when they run that, what are we gotta worry about like that to me is where they just missed out a little bit, where I'd go, I wish they just would tie plays together a little bit more. And it would make them dangerous and they you know, like we said, I think they do thrive on the big play and want that to happen to where, you know, I think that's some of your best opportunities. I wish there was just a little bit more of that from them altogether. Before we flip it to the other side of the ball yeah. with the Chargers, though, and, and Chiefs defense, overall, though, you feel like this is – I, I kind of get the sense. You walked away looking at that. Mahomes is Mahomes. Chiefs are going to get people open. They're going to score their points. But the biggest difference is the Chargers, D, they have the ability to be more special than they were last year. Definitely. It's, it's, I think it's real. I think it's real – you know, they now to me the next phase is like in these big games, you know, got to find a way of, to make a few plays. You know, it's it's the Chiefs thrive in this. They thrive in these environments. We know that they love the big lights and putting on a show. They're showmen. That's why they're fun to watch. That's why we love it. You know, but I yeah, I you said it right, and I think I came away the, after the game going okay. Um, the Chargers can win the Super Bowl. That's what I, you know, I know it's week two, and I know that's like a really bold, but I just came away going, man, they it's look good. They that's have everything. my pick I, to right, win the right, Super Bowl. Right, you're right, you're right. It's not that bold. <laughs> yeah. I just went, I kind of sold me like, okay, they're, they're, they definitely have a chance to be one of the elite teams in football this okay. year. And that's not even talking about the offense quite no, yet. But and I love that they changed it up on defense. Yes. I do. It just was a hair too aggressive. Yeah. And Mahomes and Andy could not get in a rhythm to get to some of their bread and butter plays because they just didn't know what to expect. I just thought it was a hair aggressive here and there. How about the Chargers offense? Aggressiveness. And let's just start actually with the uh, with the offensive line. Because they're going to be throwing quite a bit. They're going to be throwing to the running backs. Austin Eckler, even though they handed it off 14 times for only 39 yards to Eckler in the game. Uh, a lot of it starts with the offensive line. How'd they look? They're amazing in the pass game. Mm. Amazing. They're, they are, I think, got something. Like where they're going to, it's going to be hard for any front four to get there and pressure Justin Herbert on a consistent basis. You're going to have to do some things. Chris Jones got there a few times, right? But that was it. That was it. And even he had a bunch of plays where you went, I've never seen Chris Jones get stalemated like that. Like, he couldn't. Like So it's it's real. When you just talk about, hey, Corey Lindsley at at, uh, center, 
still really awesome. Filer at guard is a beast. First round pick from Boston College, Zion Johnson, beast. We know left tackle Lashawn Slater is already one of the best pass protecting left tackles in football. And then the question was the right tackle and Trey Pipkins, uh, who got hurt during the game at third quarter. So he's done really good. So that's where they're going to be a handful for, for whoever plays. And the, the Chiefs, were they trying to make it hard on them too? They have some different looks that they can use, but yes. that didn't affect the Chargers at all. It doesn't. It doesn't affect the Chargers. The Chargers are, you know, I, I don't even know how to put this. They're just they're very well coached on the offensive side of the ball. They really are. They know what they're doing, you know, why they're doing it, where to look against this coverage. He knows where to go to the ball. You know, the guys know how to run the right routes with their plays. So they're never off kilter that way. My problem is it's just a little too much of that. It's too much of, you know, 48 throws for 334 yards. You know, there's too many stat lines like that over the last two years for Justin Herbert. 40, 40 completions for 290 yards. And he's got the best arm in football. He's up there with the Allens and the Mahomes and the Rodgers and all those guys. And it's just... There's not enough creativity, game plan specific plays. They don't need a ton because the system's good. It's tried and true. But they need to find a way or two to, yeah, dial up some plays to scare the defense, back them off, make some plays. So not everything has to be 11 plays 75 yards, 11 plays 67 yards, you know, nine plays 73 yards. There's just, that's really my one complaint about the, the chargers on that side of the ball. You got the quarterback with the arm that can do that. Exactly. So. That's where it's, it's a little frustrating. You know, you just want to go like, Hey, you don't need to be Reed and Mahomes where just people are going deep too much, but you got to have a little something there. And, yeah, there's some times where I think they get in formations and a good coach like, you know, uh, Spagnola, he's, oh, okay, I kind of know what they're going to do here. And my guys have been taught that if the slot receiver goes here, that means the outside receiver is going to go here. And they know that. And it's just, yeah, I'd like to see them create that a little bit for themselves. The one game-changing play, this game could have been completely different without the pick six that went back, what, 99 yards or yeah. about that? Yeah. You took a closer look at that. I think it's been well documented. Everett was trying to get out of the game, and they're like, "I'm tired." No, you hell of a play before, right? Yeah, great play before, right. and then Herbert threw his way. Is is that basically what happened? Anything that you learned from they closer ran, examination? Right. They ran like 200 jet sticky, 200 jet double stick. Right. So here, just to explain that, like you basically got two receivers to the right. Everett was one of them. They're kind of like in a stacked alignment, right? Same thing to the left. And then the back is going to go through the middle of the field and just check through to be a middle-of-the-field presence in case nothing's open. But basically, those two receivers to the right, two receivers to the left, they're going to run the same play. It's the same route system. Somebody's going to go to the flat, and then somebody's going to go on like a five-yard out. If they get a zone, they kind of just curl it up, right, instead of running out, right? And so you don't run into the zone guy out there and get your head knocked off, right? So that's what they did. Everett ran like tired, like you said, ran a real shitty flat route. Almost ran. It was almost like, wait, is he running? He almost ran an in between. I'm not even sure if he knew which one he was supposed to do. He's like, I don't know if I'm the flat or the out route, the five yard out route. So I'll run kind of an in between route. He was like, I didn't run to the flat. I didn't run the out. I kind of ran an in betweener, right? He's looking at Palmer, who's running the out route, who sits up and curls up because he's going to box somebody out. It's too tight. So Herbert's eyes go to Everett, and 
he let his mistake come, come and one mistake became two mistakes. I don't know why he threw it to him. You know, one to just go, wait, he's not in the flat. He should be out there. He's sitting there. And just as he was getting ready to throw, Everett, who I think, I don't know what he was, I, I want to put say I know what he's doing, but sitting there and he's like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be in the flat. So he kind of stopped and then he started to move again. And just as he started to move, the ball got there. And the rest is history, yeah. and that's just an unfortunate little part there. Where you know, again, Everett's going to be get the minus in the grading film. So is Herbert, though. Herbert's going to get it too. They're going to go, hey, hey, don't don't let his mistake, you know, become your mistake too. And I think he knows better than not throw that ball. And hopefully, you know, he'll learn from that for sure. Chargers going to get to go against the Jaguars next time in that defense. We're going to talk about here in a second. The Chiefs are uh, at Indianapolis, uh, who we'll also talk about in a second. But we're, next, we're going to the. Other Monday Night Football game, Eagles against the Vikings. Yeah. I thought it would be more competitive than Me this. Too. I was really hoping for that. Uh, another quarterback that has sometimes been lower on the Chris Sims' top 40-back countdown list than right. their fan base would hope, Right, uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, what they do early on with Jalen Hurts? Because it seems like the, this is a team that's going to go through the run game and then make it easy on, on Jalen Hurts. They're yeah. not going to put a whole lot on his plate. Is that what you saw from watching film? No, no. You can tell they have confidence in Jalen Hurts. You know, think about how the game opened up. They started out an empty person, you know, empty five wise, and they were like, hey, we're going to throw it. You know, that's what I love about them. They're really well coached, game plan that way. Like everybody expects them, oh, it's the Eagles, that line, they're going to run the ball. And then they get you in a situation where, you know, okay, whoa, whoa, they're spreading us out, and they got speed at receiver and stuff. And, and then, of course, he can run and scramble, and it makes it scary. And he's a good decision maker, you know. And so that that's where the game started out. So they get in five wides, I think, for the first two plays. And then they get you in the spread formation with a back in the backfield. And you know, that's where they started to, like, they just they, they make it very hard on you that way. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of love about them. They're playing to what they are as a team. And, and they put pressure on you that way because now you go, wait, I mean, he's in the shotgun, you know, it's a passing formation. We want to play too deep, but then they run the ball or he runs some quarterback design run and you go, damn, we don't have enough people to stop it. You know, and then you come back down and start to go, okay, well now we got to do something else to kind of stop the run. And then you go, shit, Devontae Smith and AJ Brown are one-on-one or in very, we're in very vulnerable looks and we're the Vikings and we're not very good in the secondary. And so that's where they put stress on you. And he's smart that way and making the appropriate throws and doing everything the right way really right now and, and playing really good football. 26 of 31, 333 yards through the air for Jalen Hurts. Any of those completions, were they really taking chances, putting it into tight windows? He had a few, which I like to see. I do. Enough for you. Enough for me. Okay. I don't let me know. You know, you, no, I'm not going to talk. Just like two a little bit here, all right, where, you know, like I tried to explain before, you know, it, and, and I know, I, I know I'm going to, but I'm just trying to give my honest opinion here. There's still a few plays and throws where I look at, like, oh, he's got to throw that ball there. That, that guy's open. He gets away with it and runs and gets 10, 15 yards. But again, like what, I'm holding them to a standard. Like, is that going to get it done against the 49ers defense or you know the Bucks again and stuff like that? And I go, no, that's not. It's not. So, it. But still, it's better than it has been, and it's going in the right direction. 
And what I've tried to explain to some of my Philly fans, uh, friends who, you know, give me issues because they even listen to my Monday podcast, like, well, we got to have a talk. I just, I, I go, listen, it, it's going to look awesome for most of the year. Now, I, I don't doubt that. They're a great team. They're really well coached. And he's got a great feel. And he knows how to run and when to run. And he doesn't, you know, force the ball and he doesn't have to a lot of the times, you know. And that's fine. That's good. You know, but but you know, again, I'm I'm holding it to a standard of when they play the really good teams late in the year or in the playoffs. You know, what what's he going to do then? And that's that's where I just question it a little bit. I'm he's an NFL starting quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Forever. I think the thing I'm just saying is I'm not sure how good he is yet. Just not sure how good. And I am one too that you've heard me say this before. We've yet to still see a quarterback really get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl where it's all about, hey, they're just going to run the ball with the running quarterback and run and do all that. you know, Because you're going to usually play a defense in the divisional championship game, Super Bowl, that's going to stop that, and now it comes down to throwing the ball in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's where I just said I'd, I'd still like to see a little bit more, but it's all going in the right direction. 53-yard touchdown to Quez Watkins. Who do you give the credit or blame to on that? Well, that, that was... That was a really great design play, great throw, and a play to really stress that they were kind of playing a quarters coverage. So it's quarters, the safety in the corner, you know, but now they have a tight split. So they have two tight ends on the end of the line of scrimmage, and then they bring down Quez Watkins even tighter. So, you know, as the just think about it, you're the safety in the corner, you're going, wait, there's three guys there, and he kind of runs in between the middle of you. And you're like, whoa, I don't know which one of us has got him. And then one of those tight ends runs like a 10 or 12-yard out route. The corner plays it the right way. He sees it. He starts to stop. The safety was wrong. The safety's got to keep going back. Unless they're playing some way where the safety's supposed to drive on that out route and the corner's supposed to get back there. But I find that highly unlikely with that set. That's one where the safety's got to get back. That was his his issue, and it was a really nice throw by uh, Jalen Hurts. Well, that might be a problem for the Vikings because you yes, noticed it that it, it wasn't like they were trying to do too many complicated things in this game. No. What did you What did you notice about that? That side of the ball for well, the Vikings. Well, it's just too, you know, you've heard me say, you know, it's just, it was too simple. It was too easy. They were too worried about giving up the big play. And it just was like, okay, well, I mean, you know, the, you're just going to bend and break here every drive. And, and, and to me, where they're, they're, they put you in a bind because now you play these two deep safeties. They have a ton of passes and plays to just go, oh, you do that. We have a great way to throw five yard over the middle here, five yard over here, five. So they can pick you apart. And that's really good, but then also within that they that's where like their their RPO game and their read option and their that stresses yeah now there's two safeties deep so what do we do here well now they ran the ball uh oh we're in trouble oh they quarterback run uh oh we're in trouble it's too deep or or you know or you try to cheat a slot guy and he fakes the run and the guy in the slot kind of makes it look like he's going to get blocked and then somebody goes out in the flat and he throws it to the flat route right so they put you in a lot of binds that way i don't think you can play too much too deep zone against them is what i'm basically saying and that's where i just thought they were wrong hmm. third quarter they finally changed it up started running some different coverages, blitzing the nickel guy off the edge. But it was so vanilla that Shane Steichen, Sirianni, and Hurts were just, they were gashing it. To me, you got to do something where it's, yeah, exotic coverages, three deeps that way to help your run game, help the screen game, because they're a phenomenal screen team too. And then, and then, 
it takes away within those three deep coverages or singles. It takes away some of the holes in the middle of the field. And now, to me, you put it back on Jalen Hurts to, okay, he's going to have to make some throws here. And that that's how I would try to defend him, you know, without getting too detailed here and too in the weeds. That's interesting. I wonder if the Vikings played the same way last week and worked against Aaron Rodgers, and they figured, why not? I, they might that. have. They, they may, maybe. But this is just this this is a team and an offense that's on a different level than Green Bay, in my opinion. Better O-line, better weapons, you know. And then the quarterback design run stuff, how they use that puts – you in another stress position, and I, their offensive scheme is better than Green Bay. That's the other thing I would tell you too. They're creative. They have game plan specific stuff. And like I said, between the quarterback design run, the run game, him being a good deep ball thrower, and them being an unbelievable screen team, man, does that put a lot of pressure on your football team? It really does. Puts pressure to score some points, which the Vikings did not no, do did in not. this game. Was that a function of the big dudes? Up front for the Eagles making life hard. Didn't make it hard on my Detroit Lions last no. week. So well, well, I'm gonna say, yeah. Well, you know, you know, we talked about them being too predictable against your Lions last week. Remember where I think the Lions finally got into it and like we're like, wait, we know what front they're gonna be in when we get yeah. in this formation. We can call it the perfect run play. I don't care how big their guys are. They can't stop this right here. Well, they changed it up a little bit more in this game. I did like to see that it wasn't crazy, and they did get into. I like big butts and I cannot lie formation, which was awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, second drive of the game. Here it was. Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Hargrave. And you just go, I, you know, good luck. And that's where I think Minnesota, who, you know, pushed around Green Bay a little last week, I think they thought they were going to be able to run the ball. And it was like, no, negative Ghost Rider. You will not be running the ball against this 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 crew right here. And No, they did. Kirk Cousins led the team 20 yards rushing. Yeah, right, right. Big Kirk Cousins. That's what you want. You want him leading the team in rushing. That's crazy. And, yeah, that was, uh, that was the issue, no doubt, let alone, you know, Cousins not playing all that well, didn't have an all-out blitz plan. Jefferson fucking him over on the post route on the interception going down there into the end zone. And then, you know, getting the ball in the short field again after the block field goal and Cousin forcing a ball into coverage that gets intercepted by Darius Slay. Or, or I don't think that was Darius Slay. That was somebody else that time. That would have been Maddox that time because uh, Darius Slay was the first and third interception. Right. But, yeah, they, they had some opportunities to kind of climb back into the game and didn't take advantage of it that way. Um, but either way, it was a good showing, and at no point did you think the Eagles didn't have control of the game. Eagles are a favorite at Washington. Um, boy, that could be a that could be one of your best bets of the week, right we'll there, see. six and a half. We'll see. Well, like you know, what, well, I'll just say if you want to look forward to that a little bit, what, what would scare me a little there is the Washington pass offense has something, and you play too simple against that. That could get scary. Ooh. That could get, you know, again, I'm, I'm not trying to pick a game or anything like that, but I know you always want me to look forward a little bit. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's something that jumps out to me. If they're going to play that simple, then that D-line better dominate, and they do have a chance to do that against the Washington offensive line, so we'll see. And the Vikings are favored by six versus my Lions. That's an easy bet. Lions crush them. I'm going to be picking <laughs> the win outright right there. Uh, bet MGM, speaking of odds, the NFC champion odds mm. are changing by the week. Of course they are. The Eagles now have the second best odds to win the NFC. So the Bucks are still the favorite. Last week the Bucks were plus two seventy five. Currently they're plus two seventy five. But the Eagles have gone from plus six hundred to plus four fifty. So the Packers were ahead of them last week, and now they have jumped the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the Packers. Yep, you're right. Um, 
Packers were ahead. I guess yeah, just the it? Packers. Just the Packers. Okay, they were ahead the of the Rams, Rams even after yeah. last week, but that well, was after a loss. I feel like by the, the Rams. public's catching up finally. It's just like something we've been saying for the last month, and I think a lot of like you know football people who are in the weeds have been saying this. And I, I even heard Troy Aikman during the game or after the game in the little thing on on Sports Center where they. They're like, you surprised by the the Eagles and the way they look? And he was like, no, if you've been paying attention, this is – I think a lot of people that have been paying attention to the sport thought this was coming here. This is – this, and I think the public is finally realizing it too. And then you see Jalen Hurts play good in two games and you jump on that. So, hey, I, I picked him to be the number one seed. You know, that's that's the way I looked at it. And I look at it and just go, there ain't many teams they're going to play. They're going to be better than them the first 10, 12 weeks of the year. They could really, I think they have Green Bay in week 13 to where I sit there and go, they could be going into Green Bay 10-2 and two or 9-2, and two, whatever week it was. One loss, whatever. Um, but uh, but I to me, I do look at that. The one I will throw up there for our, our BetMGM NFC Championship odds is that don't sleep on the 49ers. Plus 900 right now. Yeah. They're one, two, three, don't, four, don't five. Don't sleep on that. Don't, don't, don't sleep on that at all. Yeah, you, you see a plus 900. I do think in a lot of ways the Jimmy Garoppolo thing could be a blessing in disguise. They're still a really good team, and they'll get better as the year goes along here. Eagles were plus 1,800 at points in the offseason. Then right. got A.J. Brown, had a pretty good draft, and now you see what they can be. A couple more games to get you here real quick. Let's go through. Actually, it's just, oh, yeah, two more. Cardinals and Raiders, a closer look here. Buried treasure, uh, hidden gems. Our costumes are on if you're yep. not watching. Just imagine us with the, the helmet on, with the light, and all that stuff. Oh, we're um, one of those treasure guys? I, I don't know. I pictured myself more like Indiana Jones with like a cool hat and like... <laughs> A some satchel, satchel yeah. right, and like I got a whip in my pocket, right. and like things like that. Well, the have you ever g- seen Indiana Jones? I have seen that. That's, okay, thank those, you. I did like those growing up. Okay, I have good. seen those movies. Uh, so you can imagine us however you want to imagine us if All you're right. listening to this podcast right you now. You could be Nicolas Cage because he has national treasures. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. Oh, that's that one a good I didn't one too. See. And then I'll be Harrison Ford. Okay, right? deal. Deal. Cool. Seems like you're the cooler one. Yeah, but, uh, it does seem that way. Cardinals offense here versus the Raiders. So uh, talking about all those odds, I think at points on Sunday – you might have been able to make a bet that the Cardinals were going to be the worst team in the NFC. They just yeah. hadn't gotten anything going, even with Kyler Murray. But then that all that all turned around uh, late in the game, second half. But I thought it was interesting in reading your notes. Yeah, please take me where you e- want to even, go. Here. Even with the Raiders up twenty to nothing, <laughs> you don't feel like it was a dominant twenty to nothing. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of work to. It was gutsy, tough play, good play calling in the first half by Derek Carr and company and some stupid play calling by the Cardinals offense and company to where they couldn't get in rhythm or anything and that way. But it wasn't, yes, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I came away after the first half going, whoa, man, the Cardinals are just getting gashed and I don't know what they're going to do when they look so horrible. I, I, you know, I hope I emphasize that in my, it just, every drive for points was like, woo. Way to go, Derek Carr. Ooh, he was under pressure. He threw the ball into a tight window. Ooh, that was, you know, hey, the Cardinals' coverage wasn't that bad there. That was just a good throw, and McDaniels taught them how to run that route the right way, and they just, they got it in there. I, and at no point did I just go, this is an onslaught. This is an ass-whooping. It was kind of just like a – it just, you know, yeah, I, I think I explained it that way. It was tough, gritty, and the Cardinals not kind of playing their best or maybe playing the way they should, and it, it made the, made it a little misleading at 20 to nothing. So – when they were down 20 to nothing, they had to kick it into gear. They had to become who you think they should be 
all the time. And I think you, if for someone that didn't watch the film, it seems like, well, Kyler just did some crazy things out there. Right. Were there also some things that Cliff was able to do to put him in position that maybe they hadn't done in the first half? Definitely. That's, that, to me, was the theme of the game. Like, like, Cliff made a comment yesterday in his press conference talking to the media about Kyler and just going, I wish he would just take over like that all the time earlier in the game. Hmm. And, and what I talked about on PFT with Flora this morning, I was like, you got to put him in the position to, sorry, he can take over. You're getting in two tight end sets and pulling a guard. Like, uh, hey, I've always said they needed a, I, I've gone the years where I've got, they need a little more versatility in their offense. I've given up on that. I've given up. They're not capable. They're not. And they're never going to be a good running team that can like block people, block down, block down, guard pulls over, guard pulls and smashes the defensive end and they run for eight yards. Like they're not doing that. That's not in their DNA. It's not in their coach's DNA. It's not happening. And they were in that kind of crap way too much early in the game. You know, like these sets and like plays where I just go, this is not who you are. It got down to 20 to nothing, and they drove down, I think, uh, you know, one time first and got stopped when they were down there, but that's when it changed, where just uh, be Texas Tech, be Oklahoma. That's what you're built to be. Let's stop pretending anymore. Just have just an onslaught of spread the field, right? Just like we were talking with Jalen Hurts, when they spread the field and then this guy's ability to run, it really puts you in a tough spot. And, you know, hey, they're spreading the field and they're playing too deep, and then all of a sudden they run a quarterback draw or a quarterback design run, or he runs the option to the right and he can pitch it to somebody. The game changed. All of a sudden, the defense coordinator of the Raiders was like, uh-oh, my circuit broke. Uh-oh, I can't play too deep and do this anymore. And now he has to start playing coverages that are good for the pass game look. You know me, I never am in love with how creative their pass game is, but when they get you in those situations and play, you know, simple defenses, th- those pass plays are going to work, right? And to me, that's where the game went haywire. Quarterback draw, option, four receivers to the right, one to the left. You know, throw the ball. You got people crossing everywhere. You know, four receivers, one to the left. We just ran that play. Now there's a screen play off of it. That that's who they are, and that's what I I know from talking to defensive coaches in football. That's what scares everybody about them. Not when they get in two tight end sets and try to pull the guard. That's everyone's going. Oh, thank God they're doing that. Everyone's scared of them when it's four wides, field spread. I got to worry about containing Kyler or a quarterback run and all that, and it becomes then very tough to defend the Cardinals. And then the the million dollar question uh, is, you know, on the other side of the ball. I was going to finish that. I actually was saying um, they got tired out. Then they got the the Raiders defense got tired out. No, that's the, the other of that. effect of that. What we're talking about, right? Because then, then then the Cardinals get a few first downs and they start going to their no huddle thing and let's let's start putting it on it. Yeah. And you're chasing this fucking crazy fucker running all over the field. I mean, you're you're gassed. You could see it on film, where it's like it's wearing them out a little bit. And yeah, I think it's something that you know they got to look at. Stop stop pretending. Spread the field. Have a million screens. Yeah. You're paying Kyler Miller, Murray a ton of money, millions and millions. you got to run them a little bit. That's who you are. That's why you drafted them. Do that. He is phenomenal at protecting himself, so I don't think you have to worry. And, you know, I'm not, when they run him, I'm not talking about, like, Josh Allen pulled a guard and he's running between the tackles, right? You know, it's get on the edge or it's a quarterback draw or things like that. 
and he's very good at staying at a harm's way. But yeah, I mean, I, I hope you got that sense totally. from my notes that that's where they should they should go. And they really f- ran very few plays early on in the game too. They really couldn't get couldn't into get a rhythm there, and then they did get into a rhythm, tired out the Raiders on the on the defensive side, and then it leads to the million dollar question that I almost jumped the gun and giving that question away for free. Gosh, uh, how they stopped Devontae Adams. Uh, on the other side of the ball here, right. Devontae Adams comes into this game. After week one, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is just like uh, Rodgers and yeah. Adams. Same right. thing over there. They're going to get 10 catches a game, 150 yards every game. Uh, two catches for 12 yards. Yes. How'd they do that? They did it, you know, by just really basically having a safety, being very aware of what he was at all the time. They didn't, They never left him in a position where it's like, oh, it's just you versus our guy. And McDaniel is going to be able to draw up a play like we talked about last week where, you know, he's one-on-one and he's going to tell you the route that's going to screw this guy over and then you're going to run it awesomely because you're Devontae Adams and they have no stop. They, they were not going to let that happen. So that's what they did early on in the football game. Yeah, wouldn't that open up other things, it, though? It, it, More it, so? it, well, that's where Josh is brilliant. And that's where, you know, life got hard in the Cardinals and part of the reason they were down 20 to nothing because he started to get like, oh, okay, they're, they're just going to do everything to stop Devontae and always play cover two and always have Byron Murphy on them. So now I can play the other concepts on the other side of the ball and kind of screw them over that way or use Devontae as a decoy and he clears out and now we got somebody underneath because you got two guys worried about him and now you don't have enough people underneath that way. And that's where they were really uh, stressing you know, the Cardinals in some, in some situation. But that changed in the third quarter. You know, it's amazing how the offense changed, the defense changed, to where Vance Joseph was like, all right, if I, screw it. You know, I'm going to have a few plays that maybe looks like we're going to do what we did in the first half. We're going to help him, but we're not going to help him. He's going to end up being man-to-man. So then there's, there's the chess game. McDaniels is calling plays thinking, wait, they still look like they're doubling him. Oh, wait, oh, you know, Derek Carr's confused by that. And then they started to you know blitz and be a little more creative and and take some more chances and uh, it it threw the Raiders for a loop and they really had a hard time adjusting off of that. When the Raiders did have success, you're giving a lot of credit to Josh McDaniels, obviously, but also how did Derek Carr look yeah, in you know, making those plays? He really like he made a lot of really good plays and good throws. He did. You know they're not a great running team. They're not great at pass protection. And they have nobody that really scares you, you know. And, and and I say that with all due respect. I know we know that Devontae Adams is awesome, but he's you've said it before. You know he's not a guy that scares you to like. Whoa, he's going to run the seventy yard post. We're scary that way. Do they have any guy like? No, that? No, that's that's. I think maybe one of the problems with their football team, and I think that's where the Cardinals got comfortable as the game went along too. They just going wait, what what are we so worried about playing some of these deep coverages? They're picking us apart with some of these underneath throws and things like that. Let's. Let's be a little more aggressive, take away some of those options, short crossers, all of that, and it made life very, very hard on Derek Card that way. You thought J.J. Watt popped in the film, right? Still a force. Yep. You thought Zach Allen had a good game, the fourth-year guy out of Boston College. No doubt about it. But that's where it's like it kind of ends right there. Hmm. You know, and then J.J. being his age and the injury history here as of recent, it just concerns you to go, like, I, I hope he can keep going. But he, he's, still, he's still a force. And, like, he's capable of making plays, getting pressure on the quarterback. He's good, just like his brother. He's got great eyes always. So, like, if he's not close to the quarterback, he just goes, well, I'm just going to swap the shit out of this ball in the air and bat it down. He's still very good at that. Um, but, yeah, it's um, 
you know, again, I'm not in love with the talent on that Cardinals defense. Isaiah Simmons didn't even start. I think that tells you something from week one to week two, right? But still had the big play at the end of the game. So good for that to force the fumble on yeah. Hunter Renfro. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think we kind of hit it all there. I'm reading over my notes just to. Yeah, I think we got it. If they go, if the Cardinals do take your advice and go full Kyler in the short screen and open everything up, I, I don't know. Maybe they have a chance to, to beat the Rams, who have a history of being able to bottle up. Kyler Murray. I know. Yes. Yeah. It's and and again, I don't think the Rams' defense is as dominant as we've seen in the last few years either. So I'll be interested to see where this goes. And yeah, it's weird. We could have some good teams in football this week where you go, they're one and two. Like, mm-hmm. well, that's that's crazy. And then this is definitely one of those matchups. Or zero and three in the or case of the Raiders at Tennessee Titans. Right. Desperation Bowl. Pete has put it in the rundown. That, that is. That will be. Vrabel and McDaniels as two guys that know each other and all of that. That's another tactical battle right there that's going to be interesting. Final game we want to look at, Colts and Jaguars. Going to look at one side of the ball here. What is wrong with the Colts offense and what maybe is right with the Jaguars defense? 24 nothing was the final score. Uh, I'm just going to read what you have written here. Hold on. Go Hold ahead. On. Do it. You got it. Jaguars defense. Quote, in your notes, in cursive, too, if you can picture this listening on the pod. (laughs) I have a man crush on the Jags D. I do. You got a new crush. I got a new crush. You know, every now and then just a hot woman comes into your life and you're like, damn, I like her. Right. And that's what the Jags are to me. Right. They are. They just, they got, they got it all, you know, and there's like, we've talked about they're young, um, but they're creative Mm -hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. It's not just vanilla and bland, but it's not like over creative to where you're like, oh, this is reckless. Like, it's not like that. It's just the right amount. And yeah, I mean, what's not to like? Like, let's just. You are in love. Like, let's go through it. Let me just name some names here in this process. I mean, I love their deep tackle in Roy Robinson Harris. I've loved them ever since the Chicago days. And then you couple that with Trayvon Walker, who's a freak show. He is. And he's, even though I don't think he had a sack in the game, I can't remember off the top of my head, he is a force and really is a natural gifted pass rusher that I think we're going to continue to see him be disrupted that way. Josh Allen on the other side, who is a force, athletic. Both of those guys can rush the passer at a high level and drop into coverage in a high level. You couple that with the two middle linebackers, Aluakon and Devin Lloyd, the first-round pick out of Utah, yep. who's like a praying mantis middle linebacker. You're like, wait, 33? Who the hell is this long, fast guy? Oh, my gosh, that's Devin Lloyd. Whoa. And Aluakon is just a sledgehammer who can run all over the field. You know, The corners are long and athletic, and Tyson Campbell and um, Shaq Griffin, way to go, Pete, for picking me up there on the other side. You know, the safeties, Rayshon Jenkins and my man Andre Sisco. I mean, I, I got to crush at all three levels, right? It's It really is. It's amazing. And um, I can't really overstate the ass-whooping this game was. Like, I really can't. I Colts had no chance to do anything offensively. No effing chance. Totally overwhelmed. Like, completely overwhelmed. Matt Ryan... You know, was under pressure, you know, and he moves good in the pocket and do does things like that. But he he couldn't even move against this crew. I will say, I, I think I I think I said this on Monday. His arm strength is a little concerning because I do think it's one that's like defenses might go. Well, we don't really think he can throw it up behind us too much, so we're going to play downhill and aggressive. Um, 
And then the O line for the Colts was was disappointing just to be just to get your ass whooped like that. Like no chance. Like totally dominated in it's every been such every a strength phase. for that. It's been right. such a strength for them. I know. You don't think it is this year necessarily. It doesn't. It it almost feels like the Cowboys a few years ago, hmm. where you just you were like, oh, the Cowboys on line, the Cowboys on line. All of a sudden, it got to the point where you're like, what? They they can't run the ball when they want to run the ball anymore. One of those things in football where you're like, I don't have to think about this. They I know. Great, they have a great right. offensive line. It's and one of the things I don't need to think about. Exactly right. And I, there's yeah, I guess I'm a little worried. We're we to need where, to think about it. I, you definitely got to think about it. And then with no Pi- Michael Pittman Jr., I know that was you know uh, an issue too, but. Yeah. You know, I just want to make sure I get to some of my points here and just make sure everybody knows my crush here. I mean, the first drive was the only drive of the game where I felt like they had anything going. And then Ryan threw the bad interception. So that was bad. And he was under pressure. From right? Trayvon. Right. Yes. He was under pressure. Um, yeah. Trayvon getting around the early. And then, you know, the other thing is that the Jags, because of those two freaks on the edge, like they can rush five and create five one ones And it's like one of those fucker is going to win one of those one-on-ones and then but they also like like i said like walker or or allen can drop out and they can play coverages too but yet like oh wait our tackle was kind of going that way to block trayvon walker and now you know okay which well crap it's still that was four one-on-ones on the other side and they try to readjust and help so uh that that's that's where they're good and they they're well taught in zone and they can rush five and play man off of it because of the talent they have there too. So uh, that's where you can tell I'm I'm very excited about the Jags. The yeah. Jags are one of those teams that's close to me. They're close. If they can get another win here early, I go, oh, oh, they could be one of these teams that comes out of nowhere and becomes a player in the AFC. I really do believe that. We'll see if they can do it. They can make life hard for the Chargers, this week, especially if they don't have Justin Herbert 100%, which he might not be. They definitely have the defense and the scheme to make life hard on them. They do. Now, the Jags' offense, this will be a real test for them too. This is the best defense they've played in you know, this year as well. And yeah, you know, with those pass rushers and you know, the, some of the secondary guys we just talked about, like they're, they're going you know, uh, to be tough to handle too. But I, I'm, I'm excited to see it because these are two teams that – this is going to be two teams that are going to get on the field, and they, I think they pride themselves a little bit. Like, we're the freakiest guys on the field here. Hmm. And I think the Jaguars are going to be like, you know, screw you. We're freakier. And that's where I, I, I love those kind of matchups. This, is a, this could be a, whoa, we jump on the stage moment for the Jaguars if they do pull this off. I'm not saying I'm going to pick them because yeah. you, you heard me say I like the Chargers a lot. But, yeah, I think this is a sneaky good game. They got some swag. They got some confidence here. And why wouldn't they have some confidence here? Yep. Colts go up against the Chiefs. Yeesh. Plus 6.5. Oof. It's Col- uh Oh, Colts, 6.5. Yeah, Chiefs, 6.5-point favorites in that game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I was always told by a gambling friend when when Vegas sets a line, I don't know if it was set at 6.5, at 6.5, that means they don't know what's going to happen, right? Like 6.5 and 2.5 are the two Vegas lines where they go, it's a little dicey. Like, and that made me perk up a little bit, but... I don't know. Chiefs by a touchdown. I think well, they could easily. They do could. That. Here's here's where I think it could be maybe a little. Gus Bradley has had a pretty good feel. He's the D coordinator of the Colts, and he was with the Chargers and he was with the Raiders. He's had a pretty good feel for the Chiefs' offense. So maybe that's where they get into thinking they could maybe slow them down there that way. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I would. I'm picking the Chiefs to win that football game. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. All right, and that's it. That is the Treasure Hunters edition of Chris Sims Unbuttoned Podcast. We will have two bonus plays because we don't do the video plays here on this part of the podcast right. anymore. Right. But check your Twitter account. Check social media out there because we're going to have a couple of plays. We'll take a look at a Patrick Mahomes throw. Want to take a look at one of those Dolphins plays too, I think. So we'll put those on Twitter. Yep. And then, and I, I want the homies too. If there's plays that you want to see us break down on social, get at us on Monday and Tuesday. Ooh, yeah, we get could at do that. us. You we know where do to find one, us. One Pete Nomad picked, right? And one homie picked. Homie pick, right? And leave you completely out of it. I, I'm all for that. I kind of want you guys to pick the social stuff. Yeah. You guys are more in tune with what's being said but on a lot social of the media. Times you see like the intricacies and things that really make. I know. Them. I know. Pop and well, you are not me the obvious plays, to us. And I'll tell you every now and then and go, you know what? There is some good things about yeah. it. Or no, that's stupid. And it's Pete, too this easy. is how it'll go. Chris will go, I want you guys to pick the plays. And then we'll pick the play every time. Chris will go, actually, there's a better play out there. <laughs> Illustrates <laughs> the point it you're might trying happen. to make. You're right. <laughs> it could happen. You're exactly right. All right, everybody. I hope that was a good one. I hope everybody enjoyed. Ahmed, thanks for driving the ship and Absolutely. deciphering the notes. Yeah. You deciphered. I was up for three the, hours last night well, reading you through. decipher the treasure map. I wonder what takes longer. You to write them, me to read them. I don't know. It's probably <laughs> pretty close it's like hieroglyphics you got to figure the the, yeah. the treasure match exactly you know, right? yeah that's so part of it i'm nick cage in that go, nick whatever cage. movie you were talking about national look, treasure national treasures good. looking at the high watch it with your kids you'll like I it will morgan's behind you shaking her head you're going it's good all right I'll all right do that. okay no you won't. probably you won't follow do that. that all right everybody got no time I'm peace out i <laughs> you know peace out you know where to find it find us find me and uh me and florio pft pm picks podcast tomorrow that'll be out early tomorrow afternoon you can hear us break down these week three matchups but i hope you enjoyed that ahmed you the man i love you a lot i love you too okay you don't even know what movie that's from but (laughs) clap it up